With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. I have to start by saying a huge, huge thank you to all of you that joined us for the YouTube live stream. My my favorite question out of Podcast 500 was right about an hour and five minutes. Somebody writes, how long is this going to go for? (laughs) Well, you and I expected to just leave it open-ended. We thought about 90 minutes and just thought, all right, just let's see how it runs. Uh And it ended up being 92 minutes long. Yeah, it was very fun. So that's actually still on YouTube. We'll stay on YouTube. And then, of course, Podcast 500 audio only is available in the normal stream of audio. Welcome to Tuesday, Podcast 501. I probably won't keep calling the number out, but I'm just still astounded by that reality. So we're we're staying with our our normal cadence of Tuesdays and Fridays. So happy Tuesday to you. But I do have to do one little bit of business related to 500 real quick. Yes. Winners. Yeah, this is cool. Well, you may have, you may remember we had a really cool thing we're giving away to two people. It's a Griot's foaming kit. We're figuring out all the logistics, but we have winners because I put up a picture of the ridiculous Phaeton. And by the way, side note, many of you asked, is the temperature high? That's where the temperature lives on that car. Oh, it does? It goes to 200 and locks down. Well, it Never came in at 194, so that's yeah. probably okay. That needle right? goes to like just barely at the 200 mark and just locks itself down. It's precisely engineered yes, to exactly. be at a So anyways, I don't know. That's what it's done since the day I owned it. The only time it's ever gone over is when it had a major coolant leak, and then it would start to leak above, get above that. But right, otherwise, right. it's just – anyway, so the actual mileage on the car when the photo was taken was 135,395. Okay. We had a guess on Facebook from Tyler Dalton. He had 428 as the end, and we had a guess on Instagram from Christopher Starr that was 374. Both of them were within about less than 30 – miles off so those are our two winners tyler and christopher we are contacting them to get them their griots products which we're very excited about getting to them but congratulations guys because you did a really good guess on that we had hundreds of guesses so thank you we're scrolling through a lot yeah well done guys you're uh, officially Griot's customers for life now. There you go. And you're getting the foaming kit so we're putting together a customized foaming kit for you both you guys so again congratulations Quick Maserati update. Mm. Just had some summer tires put back on finally. I know you're saying, isn't it late? Well, yes, we've got a road trip coming up, as a matter Mm -hmm. of fact. Mm -hmm. And it needs the summer, so I had the old two rear tires still that were still good. They've got 6.32nd still left. Ordered (laughs) two new fronts. I also had an engine light in my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it said, see dealership. <laughs> like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I told our tire shop, just plug it in. Don't do anything. I just want to know what's see going what on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sure. clear the codes if sure, you sure, can. Sure. And so they did. And four codes came back. One was a tire pressure issue. Two said unknown. And, and I thought, okay, of course. The last one was thermostat implausibility. <laughs> like a math problem i've never come across that before as a matter of fact the technician said he has seen that on a lot of german cars which we don't really know he thinks it's sticking open and therefore not getting the heat that it needs but the temp gauge is it rises Mm -hmm. and it just sticks on 195 and it's fine and the car runs and drives fine i said great i will take my thermostat (laughs) plausibility and just 
drive the car until something <laughs> happens, but she's back on summer tires and ready for a road trip. Something about the thermostat is implausible. We just It does not I don't compute. Get it. I think that's hysterical. And as you said at the time when you picked it up, you said that thermostat implausibility would be my gift to the next owner. We are giving these cars away handing in the that fall. right yeah. off to the yeah, next yeah, owner, sure. along Ass- with a very nice set of winter wheels Assuming and tires. They keep not wheels, running, but yeah. tires. We're going to have a huge road trip. We're actually very excited. We're doing a, about a four or 500-mile road trip uh, one way, by the way, so it'll be a big round trip in the midst of some shooting we're doing for Season 7 coming in July. Very cool, so we're yes. in the midst of doing editorial and actually lots of shooting for that. Tons of YouTube content coming as well. Thank you guys for being with us as always. We really appreciate it. We have a very special guest that mm-hmm. we interviewed. His name is Brian McGarvey. He is the Senior Vice President of Member Experience at Haggerty. Yep. Joining us to explain more about the Haggerty Drivers Club and Drive Share and Dream Drive. Yeah. I'm really excited to have him on. So let's go. Brian, hello. How are you, man? Hey, doing well, thanks. How are you guys doing? We're great. We're great. We're glad to have you on. We had McKeel on a few weeks ago, and we're thrilled you could join us as well. You bet. You bet. Been looking forward to it. Well, this is cool. Yeah, I was thinking it's it's cool to hear about your position at Haggerty from a day-to-day company operations perspective. And you've worked in media and music, the gaming industry. You've had an incredible career, but all of those areas have changed dramatically over mm-hmm. the years. I'll say in... We'll say a decade. Well, yeah, they all had big kind of watershed shifts in all of those industries. And so you and I are having the same thought here, which is, Brian, how does is the car industry going through a shift like all of those media and music and all those things have shifted in the past couple decades? Well, I think it's a, it's a good question. I think everyone's going more digital. And that just has to be, especially in today's age, is, um, you know, how do you interact with um, with certain brands in, in a way that's easy for consumers? And really, digital is the way. It's through mobile apps, through through better websites that that are um, just you know really easy to consume, really easy to interact with. You know, not making a call into your insurance company to change something. You do it online very easily. Mm-hmm. You do it via do it via an app. And being in digital, you know, most of my life. You know, my first job was at Microsoft when I was twenty years old. Yeah. Um, and. Wow. Uh, but I, you know, I, you know, I worked. There's 2,000 employees, and I, I left around 20 to go to a startup, then got hooked on startups. Hmm. And but really, spent you know probably the last you know, 15 years on kind of reoccurring revenue models, subscription type companies. Okay. Um, which really kind of led me to you know a lot of what I'm doing here at Haggerty. Well, one of the big things that that for me was new with Haggerty the last few years, and I know it's something that you're very concerned about there, is this Haggerty Drivers Club. Now, we've mentioned it on the podcast. We talked about it a little bit, but I want to understand from you, because you're dealing with member experience there, I want to understand from you, what is Haggerty's Driver Club? Give us the, the high-level version of that. Sure, sure. Um, so the Drivers Club um, launched back in 20, uh, 2018, uh, I think it was December, okay. but okay. Really start, it's, it really started as the foundation back in 2004, Haggerty launched something called Haggerty Plus, uh, and that was a towing benefit for your classic car and a newsletter. Okay. Um, and, and then that evolved in 2006 to that first issue of the Haggerty Magazine. Hmm. Um, and you know, by the time the driver's club, um, got, um, introduced in December of 18, um, there was over 400,000 members, wow. but it was really, it was really around roadside assistance for your classic, you know, flatbed, soft straps, you know, really tailored sure, service. Sure. Right. Um, 
But the company really saw the opportunity. And, and this is where, you know, most people, when you talk, when you talk about Haggerty, don't think, oh, Haggerty is an insurance company. It's a, Haggerty does a lot more than insurance. Mm-hmm. And we really think of ourselves as an enthusiast type company that has tons of different offerings. And by the end of this year, we're going to have so many more to, to help reinforce that. But, you know, when uh, the Drivers Club got uh, launched, um, we introduced things like um, automotive discounts for mm-hmm. for your car, um, um, exclusive Drivers Club only events, membership to um, our valuation services, so unlimited lookups and valuation. Mm-hmm. You know the, the Historic Vehicle Association. We have this thing called CarShare. So if you need something for your car and you can't find it, you need help, give us a call. We've got people on the other line that will help you track down that part. That's cool. Well, it also seems like it's ever evolving too, as it's grown, you know, it started at one point and then it's grown and you've added products and services. What do you like about the range of things? How is it evolving to include more? Do you see it, you know, growing even larger and becoming even more valuable? Oh yeah. 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 So, um, you know, I joined the company last August and my first charter is to rebuild the driver's club to be, to support millions of members and really get people who probably don't even have a car insured by us, Mm. um, with being a member of the driver's club. That's cool. So we started introducing, so we're currently called, you know, Haggerty driver's club 2.0 that will launch later this year. But as we start really thinking about what is this and how how are we, you know, re-evolving and what are you going to turn this into is we thought about things like, you know, exclusive deal of the week. We go with one of our partners or a new partner and we want like best of web pricing for this, for all of their products for our members for a 48 hour period. So you're going to get this dedicated email on Saturday morning at nine o'clock and you're not going to find a better price from this company anywhere else, only mm. through us. Well, that's uh, interesting. And, and so we introduced that a couple of weeks ago and that was going to be a, a 2.0 feature of like, Huh, why would we wait? Let's just do it now. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> sure. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we you know we're doing other things like, you know, for our private client services with really like unique high end brands like Chapard watches, put together a really cool special offer just for them that we sent last week. And um, the response has been massive. Interesting. Um, I'm, so I'm watch guy. I admit, uh, everybody on the podcast knows me. I'm watch freak, and Todd doesn't wear a watch. Yeah, he I don't even. I don't even wear a watch. I, have, I, I see plenty of computer screens and everything. I, I know what time it is, and I don't care. And then people that. are this asking the running me to, joke. to yeah. talk more about watches on the podcast, and so I've thought, all right, maybe I'll do something separate. And then other people write and say, "Could you stop talking about watches on the podcast?" Yeah, yeah it's a mixed bag. That's very funny. <laughs> It's easy. I love watches. I'm, I'm there with you. The thing I have noticed, and I know you've, you've already kind of touched on it, but the thing I have noticed, because when we aligned with you guys, one of the things we were shocked by is how similar our approach is to driving and car, we call it the car disease, car enthusiasm to what you guys are and what you're building. I think the magazine is very impressive, and I think the fact that, for example, one of the discounts you've talked about is right now you can do the, the Motor Trend online subscription the thing subscription. is part of your subscription yeah. to Drivers Club. Yeah. So this is things yeah. that, at least from my perspective, I didn't initially think of as part of the Haggerty brand, and yet here I am being now, as an enthusiast, just fed to and entertained because of Haggerty. I think it's amazing you guys have moved that way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and, and we will always have really killer, cool offers like that as part of our membership. Um, and, um, you know, Motor Trend was a really cool deal. Uh, and it's done really great for uh, driving engagement for existing members, but also for driving acquisition of new members. Sure. Because the, yeah. it, it, it pays for itself immediately, which is zero, costs you zero. You pay $45 for your entry level of the driver's club. 
and you're you're already winning. That is cool. What what kind of events are you guys doing? You mentioned events, but I don't know that I've ever heard anything beyond what that actually is. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, around big car shows, we do drivers club exclusive events like a cocktail party or okay. uh, or a a session with Wayne Carini or Jay Leno. Um, cool. We also we also do um, local events across the U.S. where we have people in the region. Uh, we have mm-hmm. a big cars and coffee that will that will send out to drivers club. Uh, like if you know you're in Seattle and you want to meet up at the shop, the car storage place, yeah, we'll yeah. send oh, a message yeah. out and, and everybody meets there. One of our cool. favorite places. Uh, I'm so glad you know about it. We yeah. we've met Matt there, the owner, and one of our favorite yeah. places. As a matter of fact, that's awesome. Yep, I'm a Seattle guy, so I moved from Seattle last summer. So, um, oh, very cool. I know all, all that very well. Yeah, Matt is a great guy. That's awesome. We also drove some K cars from Adam. He's right around the corner from the shop there at Soto Moto. Big shout yep. out to him. We drove some of the K cars, and mm-hmm. he he let us just pull some cars right off the showroom floor, and yeah. that was a TV episode for us. So it's just right near the shop there. That whole area is sort of like this yeah. hidden car mecca. It's pretty funny. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely blowing up. Us in those cars is like watching like bobbleheads in a Barbie Corvette. It, we're not yeah. the right size guys for this. <laughs> exactly. Adam's, Adam's a small guy. He loves them. He fits in them. And, and honestly, when I sat down in the AZ1, he looked at me very concerned and said, I think we can get the door closed. So that was – that was I had to be kind of pried out of that car later. But it was a very fun episode, and he was a great guy too. Yeah, it's, I was surprised by how much of a car scene there is just, just right away right from there. downtown. It's like here's downtown and here's a huge car scene. But it's a Very destination, cool. too. For and sure. And they've made For that sure. area a destination because, as Matt has said, there's no foot traffic. There's no people just walking yeah, by right. on the sidewalk. So it's become a yeah. destination, which is really interesting. Yeah, with you know, with, with you know, Microsoft and Amazon and Google just yeah, you know, yeah. breeding mil- millionaires. Is there you know, <laughs> breeding the millionaires? Is huge. That's very cool. <laughs> That's very cool. So shifting from Drivers Club, because I think the the names are similar. I don't want to get them confused for me or for anybody else. Explain Drivers Club versus now Driver Share. Yeah. So um, Haggerty Drive Share. So Drive Share is really cool. So it was an acquisition oh, okay. the company made a couple of years ago and launched it as drive share and you know think about it as airbnb for classic cars the cars that you want to drive mm, okay um what's really cool is is and they're all around the us right now i think we have a, a little under five thousand cars um on the platform you're kidding and me. Mm, that's bigger no. than i thought yeah for sure yeah yep and it, and you know it, with the exception of the, the strange times that we're in now it, it's growing like it's it's growing like crazy and mm. we hope to have you know, 8,000 cars by the end of the year. And wow. what's really cool that we've done is like, you know, there's always that question is like, oh, you know, do you want to rent out your car? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I have many the, questions. The, I have many. Okay. <laughs> go on, go on. Okay, well, no, but, you know, p- the please. insurance is there and, and all, the, all the checkpoints are there to ensure it gets checked out properly and checked back in properly. And members that are renting the cars are doing what they should be doing and treating them well. So the incident volume is very low. But we started doing something really cool that we announced, uh, I believe it was in Scottsdale, so with Porsche Club of America. So if I'm a Porsche Club of America member, I can make my car only available to other Porsche Club of America members only. Oh, the only people that can see it okay. are those folks. You're like, you're like, yeah, I trust other people that, that have Porsches. Just so a way of, of vetting people, essentially, sure, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. It's like a filtering system. I see it. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah, and also you imagine that you're a Microsoft employee and you, and you have a subgroup there. And you're like, oh, mm. yeah, I trust mm. you know another employee. 
because you know, we work at the same company. So you can imagine that as like a growth tool to really, really evolve. Does it have an app like Turo where you can like do it all on the app as far as the check-in and the and the reserving? Is that all done that way or how's what's the yep. operating yep. system? Exactly. Just like that. Yep. We've got Android iOS apps that do all of that. And you can take pictures of the car. Listing a car takes you know, just a couple of minutes and driver verification. So you come on, we, you scan your driver's license. We have a database that it hits immediately. So they'll say, yep, that's a valid license. And we'll do a quick uh, mm. fact check on it. Mm. That's automated through a platform. And we hope to have, I think, you know, our goal is hours versus, you know, a half a day to get verified. Uh, mm. But we're starting to get really, really fast at that. And then we'll say, yep, this person checks out. They have a clean driving record. They're insured. They have all the different things that are important. And, um, but yeah, there's like, what's cool on the platform is there's cars that you drive, that you rent to drive. There's cars that you can be chauffeured in. Mm. And there's ones that are really special cars that are for events only. Oh, interesting. Okay. Sure, sure, sure. Well, okay. Todd and I have adopted this term called drive homework. Mm -hmm. yeah. Our audience knows this term and we give people drive homework after we talk about their debates and they're waffling between two mm -hmm. or three different cars. Mm -hmm. And we say, all right, here's some choices. You know, Todd thinks you should drive this car. I think you should drive this car. Here's your drive homework. Go do it. And a lot of people have asked us, okay, how do you do that guys? Yeah. So we talk about mm -hmm. renting cars. We talk about turrowing. We talk about test drives. We talk about the ways you can get into a car, but this is position more as an experience itself, but from a, should people want to use it as driving homework? Is there a particular year range of cars or cars newer than this ineligible and you know, they're not part of drive share or is it anybody can sign up? And I know you're vetting people because, you know, owners still need to be kind of convinced that yeah. some good people will be driving your car. They're not going to do burnouts <laughs> and they're not going to give you a smoldering heap when you're done. Yeah, for sure. It's really any car we're, we're, you know, we want, yeah, just tons of cars on the platform. Different people have different tastes. Some people want classics. Some people want, want to, uh, you know, rent a new 992 Porsche and they exist on the platform. And, you know, the cool thing about this platform too, is we partnered with a bunch of car dealers. So when you go and you look at the oh, price of the car, we also have a widget. They'll say, well, this rents out for $395 a day on drive share. And you're like, Oh, oh. Wow, I can afford more car than I thought. Mm, so because I, I can I can help support my you know the payments or whatever it might be with running it out. You're helping people build fleets. I like this. This well, is so, good, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> this also solves the issue of, of the test drive because people have also said, All right, I go to the dealership, mm -hmm. they have their loop. I don't get to spend real time. I don't get to do on ramps. I don't get to spend it you know overnight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, really driving it like I would own yeah. it. It's just, all right, here's our predetermined loop around the block or a couple blocks. And <laughs> you know, you want to buy it, right? You can understand everything there is about that car in 20 minutes, right? Well, no. Yeah. So you can spend a lot more time with, yeah, you know, whatever sure. car is available on here. Does that mean dealers offer up some of their inventory when you said you work with dealerships? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And, and it really differs by state because there's different rules because the car okay. has to be licensed. And if the car is sure. not licensed, like sure. a lot of the cars you go test drive, you know, they put the little paper plates on or right. they hang that yeah. one in the, you know, out of the trunk uh, and they're not licensed. So they can't rent those. But oh. cars have plates on them and they're registered properly. They can put them in the fleet. But we do get a lot of people that, that will do test drives. I want to buy you know, 83 Mustang GT. Let's see if there's one out there so I can go test drive one and really get an experience. 
That is cool. You, that you is were cool. facilitating drive homework. I am, I am quite excited <laughs> to pass this on to first people to be like, you know what you need to do? Because that's really, really cool. How is the, the dream drive related? Because you have this, uh, by the way, I can't wait to drive it. Hint, hint. The Shelby Daytona <laughs> Coupe you guys have right now, how is that related to the drive share thing? The, the contest. Yeah, yeah. So that's just, that's just a contest we put, uh, we put together that we launched at, where was that? Scottsdale. No, it was at Amelia. Amelia. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, and um, and that was that. We, we literally had had that that Shelby delivered that day. Oh wow! Um, it, it, it you know it hadn't been tested or anything like that. Luckily, it did well. And by the way, it's a blast <laughs> to drive. I'm sure it's a beast. You've I'm driven sure. it then? Uh, yes. I've oh I've driven it. Oh yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it is. It sounds incredible. <laughs> uh, but you know, Dream Track Promotion is about getting people behind the wheel. Getting people to do drives and and putting a contest around it, because uh, you know Haggerty is all about getting people behind the wheel. Love yeah, it. the company is about you know as McKeel says you know saving driving, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's not like saving commuting; it's saving right. driving. Yes, yes, it was, yes. It was just and, uncanny. And a difference. When he said that, Todd and I are looking at each other across the table, going. I cannot believe how much that aligns yeah, with for what sure. we tell our audience. And, you know, sometimes people have to give themselves permission to drive that fun car that they own. And we say, all right, you can only buy that car if you promise to drive it yeah. and send us an email telling us you've driven that car. You know, yeah, if for you sure. get that car, you've got to drive it. So McKeel has said that. Do you have a favorite car you've owned in your life and do you still own it? Yeah, so I, my first car was a '67 Cougar. Got it when I was 16. Oh, wow. of course, blew up the motor in like the first three months. <laughs> um, of course, you did. So, yeah, like you do. So I, my stepdad's like, "Okay, well, you have to change the motor. So we'll go get a motor, and you, you have to do it." And, wow. the, and started getting gr- greasy. I'm like, "Oh, this is fun." So you got you and dug in early. Then. I love it. I dug in early, and I would did shop class in high school, and that was really what got me hooked. And I have had, you know, a gazillion Audis and I love Audis. Last summer, I bought a 2014 911 C4S. Okay. Um, okay. You're talking and, my language now. I'm, I'm the is, Porsche freak of the two of us. Yeah. We'll get, we'll give you a oh, call yeah. a minute for sure. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> We're going to geek oh, out now. Oh yeah. It's, it's white. It has the factory ducktail and sport kit on it is it's kind of a, really the guy, whoever ordered it is really a special order. And it is just a blast. You know, got sport exhaust on it, so it sounds nice and super loud, which my wife hates. So when you jump <laughs> off the gas, you get that nice popcorn crackle, and it, you know, makes oh, the neighbors yeah. angry, right? Oh, yep, yep. And you know, and I just moved into this new development, and the, and the guy um, across the street ish, he, he's always seemed kind of looking, and he's got you know had a G wagon, and I'm like, I'm surprised that he doesn't have a sports car. I drove in yesterday, at, or I say last Saturday at like three o'clock. And there's a truck unloading an R8 and taking the G-Wagon away. <laughs> the power of suggestion. There you just go. Just living next door to you. People I love are, that. It's just filtering yeah. out like osmosis. That's fantastic. I That's love it. very funny. There's actually a neighbor down from me. I think I've told you this story, Paul. There's a neighbor down from me, like two down from me. And he is totally the Marlboro man. I mean, I, yeah, I, right. I, I don't, he may be 20 years older than me. I don't care. Everything in his driveway is lifted. And oh, all yeah, of it yeah. goes off road. Okay. <laughs> this is who this guy, very nice guy, incredible neighbor, very nice guy. I saw him over the winter at the mailbox, the central mailboxes. And he goes, where's your little yellow car? Cause I have a Lotus Elise. And he goes, where's your little yellow car? And I said, well, I mean, it'll, I'll bring it out in the summer. He was like, I love that thing. I was like, how on earth just do you love that? The strangest like, words like, come out of that guy. He said, I just like seeing it. He said, I love that you have it. I was like, okay, cool. That's completely awesome. <laughs> I could everything drive I've ever over seen it with you any do, of my trucks. But that's great. We'll, we'll give you a ride. It'll oh be very fun. Gosh. 
<laughs> That's awesome. By the way, I love the release. Yeah, it's I, I still can't believe I own it, but uh, I am also almost too big for that car, but I fit anyway. It's all good. You get a go-kart around your yeah, the, totally. the streets all the time. Oh, it's yeah. totally. a go-kart. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, and, and that is on one level, it's funny because I talk about it as one level that is the standard like car journalist cliche. This drives like a go-kart. Except with the Elise, it's true. It's exactly what yeah. it feels like. It's ridiculous. Can I add drives like it's on rails and all the cliches? Well, but what else can we think of here? <laughs> I'll go you one further. Uh-oh. The drive like it's on rails thing, the way most people know that is because it was mentioned for a Lotus Esprit in Pretty Women. So we're, it? it's a whole oh. Lotus thing. That's how most people know that term. It's been used other places, but what made it famous? Is that Richard Gere? No, Jason Richard? Alexander says it. Oh, Jason really? Ale- I'm sorry, I'm, I'm the movie huh. guy. Jason Alexander is the jerk friend in Pretty Woman. A movie okay. I haven't seen in 25 years. I have not years. seen this oh, yes. in but, years. But he, he mentions it. He mentions to Richard Gere, does that drive like it's on rails? And it's a Lotus Esprit they're talking about. That's right. He so has that a silver Lotus Esprit in that, that movie. That makes it kind that. of the thing that everybody knows it. Even if you're not a car person, you know drives on rails because of that movie. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm, yeah. off, I'm off in the weeds, but I'm the movie <laughs> guy. <laughs> I love it. Hilarious. All right. Well, we're curious. We've heard from McKeel on this, but we're curious to hear your take on this as well and what direction you see the future car experience moving towards what, what direction are you seeing? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and talk about like interesting times that now are evolving what driving and driving experiences mean. Yeah. Yeah. We're thinking about this hours and hours every single day right now is like, okay, let's think about how we reinvent ourselves around not big car shows, but around driving experiences. So there, there is an app called Rallista. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Hmm. No. And, and no. What, so is this, this guy Blake, and also he owns Right Away Tire in Seattle. So he um, developed this app that's all about going, you know, driving tours. So you can go onto the app hmm. and say, you know, I want to drive three hours, and it'll suggest different different roads. Oh, and sure. it's curated based on driving. So we're going to do some really cool things around that app and and single day drives and get people to drivers clubs and stuff. We're going to do more tours that are single day versus multi day. But we really want to get people out driving behind the wheel. We want to help them do that. We're going to do a lot of this with really cool technology that we're building right now that we're going to launch before the end of the year. That's going to bring members together that have similar tastes. And you're going to be able to find those other folks and the cars that they have through our apps. And it's going to be like nothing ever seen before. Like people are going to be like, wow, those want to, you know, even if they don't have a car insured by us, they're not part of the driver's club. They can get a taste by downloading the app and, and having the experience of, of connecting with other people That's with similar cool. tastes. So you can just, yeah, like you said, you don't have to be insurance customer. You can just join regardless, yep. right? Yep, we'll have some level of it that's free that you just get, you know, you get a taste of the experience, but it's meaningful, but membership gets you deeper. Well, it's interesting because most drives and car clubs, I live in an area which is kind of on the way to one of our favorite driving roads. And so two Sundays ago, I heard engines early in the morning, (laughs) loud, and I can see, you know, down the hill and I can see kind of as, as the main road goes up the hill. A green Aventador Huracan, it was going really, really fast on Sunday morning, just blew up the hill, and then 40 more cars blew past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, well, if you didn't know, and you weren't part of that group, and you didn't know stuff was going on, well, you missed out on the drive. Of course, you know, some of the cars were going 
really fast. Yes. And <clears throat> way too fast. Other cars were lagging. And it took 20 minutes for the entire group to drive by because everybody was driving different out. speeds. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, de- depending on the car, I saw a blue BMW X5M go by. I'm like, all right, well, that, <laughs> oh, yeah. that'll keep the, up with a, a The Lamborghinis in the shop. I understand. Sure. Yeah, I see how that goes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. they're all organized on Facebook. And if you're not port- part of that particular BMW club or, you know, enthusiast club, well, you missed out. You didn't yeah. know we were doing yeah, yeah. the drive this Sunday. Sorry. Yeah. It's great to have an app like that. That's cool because we, we try to do drives all the time. One of the things we've been doing is a couple times a year we'll wind up elsewhere in the country. We're based in Utah, but we'll wind up somewhere else on a shoot and we'll try to do a, a meetup for audience members. And mm-hmm. we always try to take a cool drive. We did one in Atlanta. We've done one on PCH. Yeah. We actually yeah. host one every year here. We host a weekend where it's just kind of like a meetup for audience where we, we drive everybody around our local Utah roads. And people have come from all over on that, which is really That's fun. Amazing. We love doing drives like this. I love that you guys are kind of centralizing it and making it something you can plug into. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we did, you know, last year, like over 100 events. And no 30, 30, about 35 of those were in-person events in different areas around big car wow. shows or just lo- local stuff. And the other ones were, were live streams. And yeah. so we've got Haggerty.com slash live. It's something new that we launched this week. And uh, we did a big thing with iRacing last night. Uh, Mikhail spoke and uh, that's a new partnership of ours. And I mean, it's just virtual racing scene is just like it's blowing up and i'm yeah, not sure, sure if you've watched any of these these sim races i've, but I've caught a few it, it, yeah oh my gosh it feels so real yeah it's crazy you know we've talked about the pro drivers and interestingly how in every series some pro drivers are participating others have refused to yeah, put an even out. toe yeah. in the pool they're staying out yeah. because you know some expert 14 year old who's done it forever yeah you know, might beat you because so what I like is the democratization, but also the leveling of the playing field through the game itself. And as they've improved the steering input, the feel of the mm-hmm, game has mm-hmm. improved to the point where, all right, if you really don't know what you're doing, you're going to wreck, you know, and <laughs> yeah. and that, you know, the pro drivers start to shine. You can kind of tell, but it, it's been pretty interesting. I've been watching a little bit more and I, I'm kind of getting into it now. I was very curious to hear the live discussion you guys had about iRacing. Because of all of these discussions, Paul and I've talked about on the podcast before, the PR difficulty, if you will, of what if I put my very expensive racing driver up and some kid beats him. But I do love that these exist. <laughs> yeah. And it's quite fascinating to see where it goes. I'm, I'm fascinated when things move back to racing live again, in real life again, what happens yes. to these series. I think it'll be fascinating to see. Yeah, look at last night's race where there was 100,000 people attended and watched through Facebook. 100,000. That that's fantastic. And that's yeah. shocking, isn't it? I, that's I just we're, 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 we're literally in mass sitting around watching other people drive digitally. Which, I that's, mean, if that's, that's fantastic. That's incredible. So, I mean, because I know, you know, eNASCAR and the, the eSports or Formula One, they're broadcasting them actually in yeah. the place of that, when the actual races yeah, would occur. Yeah. So that means, you know, those have grown a huge audience. But I like I love what you guys are doing, too. I, I love this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, more, more drives I'm getting in fun places, it. for sure. We and and the announcers are announcing the races as if it were real. And, you know, yeah. They're, yeah. Yeah, some yeah. of the racers are actually going beyond the painted lines. and like, well, it's virtual, so we'll just give them a – it's cool. <laughs> you know? They're taking a little bit more liberty with that racing line, so we'll just give it to them because, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty exciting. And, you know, this, this, you know, this enthusiast space is, is moving fast and we're moving at lightning speed and trying to lead the pack. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be a really, really interesting year. That's really cool, Brian. Thanks for, thanks for joining us and telling us about this stuff. I'm just, I'm glad to get your kind of insider discussion mm-hmm. of how these things, how they're different and how they relate to each other. That That's clarifying for me. And I'm really glad to have you here for it. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It was really great talking to you guys.
I'm just blown away by the amount of information that Brian shared. That was great. Well, and I, I've enjoyed getting clarity on the products and understanding because some of the terms are close. And so I have to admit that I get myself confused. Yeah. So yeah. I'm glad to get clarification on the terms and what they are. And we're excited to do more stuff with Haggerty in the future. Take a guess at the one thing we can't get enough of car stuff. That's right. That's why we love Haggerty Drivers Club. Starting at $45 a year, you'll get six issues of the award-winning Haggerty Drivers Club magazine, which is chock full of interesting reads and beautiful photos. You'll also get access to members-only live stream on topics that range from car values to automotive history, DIY tutorials, and a whole lot more. Plus, membership comes with tons of automotive discounts from big brands, including Deal of the Week, which is always an exclusive deal that only lasts a couple of days. If you love cars, and we know you do, this club is for you. Learn more at haggerty.com slash everydaydriver. Summer's here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. I know that leather seat seemed like a great idea at the time until you scalded your legs. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I, I'm telling you, I swear by them. These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. So since we covered our topic Tuesday with that cool interview with Brian, we thought we would just do questions on the back half of the podcast. You guys are burying us in questions. I mean, it, let's be honest. It made for a 90-minute 500th podcast. Amazing. So we we'll spend the back half yeah, of this podcast just doing questions. some questions. And, and I'll be honest, since we did 90 minutes on the last one, this might be just short of an hour, but <laughs> there's a lot of content happening. That's all I know. All right. Jumping in with Napkin Math from Derek Miller on Facebook, <laughs> okay. who said that we would appreciate this. So far, we've done 500 episodes, right? This is yeah. the 501st. Multiply that by one and a half car debates per episode. So sure. about one debate on Tuesdays and usually two on Fridays. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. Multiply that by a $25,000 average purchase price of the cars that we recommend. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. And then that equals $18,750,000 of dollars spent on our advice. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody else says... We'll just round that up to twenty million because of the polymer. That's Robert Giacomelli. That says, is awesome. Just go ahead and round that up That's to twenty million. Really so good. If you're if you're all good with it, we're just taking the twenty million and calling it twenty million in five hundred podcasts is we, about what you guys are buying. Twenty million dollars worth of car purchasing back and forth in five hundred podcasts. Wouldn't that be cool if we could actually quantify that? Though I do love that math. I have to admit, it's my favorite kind of math. My, my son asked me a math question today because, of course, he's homeschooling right now, and he asked me a math question. And uh, this is not my gift. Did you die for Google? No, 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 okay. no. This is not my gift. He's like, how do I do this? And I looked at, you know, it, it was one of those combination word word math questions. And then they showed oh, an perfect. example. And then they said, show your work. Ah, uh, yes. And so the other thing I realized is that the showing your work part is where I'm mostly baffled. Because I either know how to do it, <laughs> and I will do it instantly, and there's no work to show, or I grab a calculator. This is this and, is and, this is adult <laughs> life. This is adult life. You can it either is. do it instantly, and there's no like I can't show work, so I had to show work. So we start talk this through, and I got it mostly figured out. My wife walked in, and looked over her shoulder, and she was like, "What well, it be this?" And I said, "No." And so then we got into a discussion about oh, how it would work, oh, and then we gosh. settled on an answer that we helped him. It, yeah, this math is not our gift. Yeah. <laughs> 
was it you agreed on an answer or did you agree on the right answer? No, we agreed on what we believe is the right answer. Let's be <laughs> okay. honest. And tell, and tell his Look, I'll put it out there. Tell his fourth grade teacher says it's right. We don't know for sure, but as far as we know, we got it right. And grenades, horseshoes, and napkin math. You better believe it, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, there's a film question here. Did you see this from Damon okay. Dickon? How do you feel about cars in a movie when it's pretty clearly sponsored by a car manufacturer and it is very noticeable. Some do yeah. it better than others. He thinks the way Dodge has the Fast and Furious franchise movies do a good job of keeping those cars to one character. Mm-hmm. But then there's all the Transformers movies that have a bunch of Chevy products. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the BMW film series from early 2000s just yes. got remastered yes. in 4K. They're very cool. I really like those. So those were fun. with Clive Owen as the driver. Uh-huh. That was the precursor, I believe, to the Transporter movies. The well, tri- and, trilogy of Transporter movies. And it was films. right about the time that Clive Owen started to become a thing. He was great yeah, in those. Really fun. Yeah, yeah. Just super interesting. And they would release them, I think, one a week or something yeah. leading up to whatever. But it, it created all this interest in BMW cars. It was very yeah. blatant about it, but they mm-hmm. actually made the movies about those cars. Yeah. I agree with you. When it's very blatant, it's it depends on the car. I mean, we've had, uh, what, Lexus in Black Panther? Right? Yes, yes, but then, but but also, think, he's talking about characters being connected to cars. So you've got Black sure. Panther connected to Lexus, but then Iron Man was connected to Audi. Audi so and Audis. remained through just, all through the Avengers as well, yeah. Yeah, they, and they kept showing up in Audis that didn't exist. That's the other thing I thought was funny. Sure, they kept yeah, showing up an Audi product with the really big glowing four rings, yeah. a car that doesn't exist yet. Well, they had to, you oh, know, for sure, yeah, just yeah. to promote. So. Yeah, sometimes I appreciate it and I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the product placement, especially when it is cars. Mm-hmm. I don't mind it so much, but when it's really blatantly obvious and then the cars get a little cheesy because they are modified for the film. Yeah. It's not the car off the showroom floor. It sure. never is. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, I guess the Avengers is a little bit of an exception. Uh, but not really. I mean, they've done them, something. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the um, they had the uh, ZDX, that Acura ZDX. Yes. So, Agents of Shield driving a ZDX yes. because of all of its utility. <clears throat> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, it just kind of depends on the car. I, I will say this: what bothers me, when it bothers me, Damien, is actually when you can see the partnership to the point that there's no other cars in the universe but something related to that brand. That's when it bugs me. Mm-hmm. If you have a hero car, Tony Stark drives Audi R8s or some variation thereof. I get it. You have Black Panther was Lexus. James Bond traditionally has always driven Aston Martins. There was a brief, you know, affair with BMW there during the Pierce Brosnan years, but yeah, and that was just sheer BMW threw down more money and Aston went, we don't want to, no, we want to do this, and then <laughs> right. they realized that was a mistake, right? But yes, so you have all of these recurring patterns that are connected to characters. But what I hate is, and this sometimes happens in movies where you realize if you if you back up from that car scene, everything in the scene was something from that manufacturer. And that really bothers me. If you have a, some hero cars that connect to the certain characters, but then everything else around feels like the real world where it's all kinds of stuff. Sure. Okay. You just, somebody threw down the biggest check, but when it's like, why is everything in this scene come from GM, including the random van and the old cars and the, why did you do that? Yeah. Yeah. The, the consistency was fine, but too much. That actually ties into Paul Cavanaugh's question about the Mercedes AMG e-bike. Apparently we can now recommend a new AMG for under $5,000. <laughs> But what do we think in particular about car companies licensing non-automotive products in general? Mm, and I think mm. I, you mean that for the store, the, the swag, the, the shop, oh, the sure. BMW shop or the Mercedes shop. Interestingly, about bikes, Porsche has done this for a while, as a matter of fact. The, the sales are low. I think almost 
every manufacturer has built a bike at some point because or they're still offers it. Expensive. They're rigged. <laughs> I mean, they're eleven thousand yeah. dollars just for yeah, yeah. I think a city bike. Yeah. It's sort of like okay. Uh-huh. There's very few people. The people that do will be like, I've got another portion. You know, I thought, okay, sure, I'd like to have it. I can't justify that, nor can I afford it. Check the box for painted derailers. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously. Yeah. So interestingly enough, that um, the uh, Derby car, the Soapbox Racer, mm. a few years ago, every car company participated in that. And I actually liked seeing that a little oh, bit interesting. better. Yeah. Volvo made a really great one. GM made a fantastic one. It actually hangs in their mm. Burbank mm. design studio on the wall. Point. Yeah. So if you look up the Soapbox Racers from a while back, they threw technology mm. And parts and engineering and time and design at these things. They were just gorgeous. They were exquisite. You know, carbon fiber, everything, machined aluminum, you name it. And so that was hmm. really cool. But as far as the products, I I think there's a fine line. Up at the very high end, the products get to be name brand fashion houses. Yeah. From Ferrari and Lamborghini totally. and even Porsche, all their products are bespoke because they have Porsche design as a separate company mm. that uses the Porsche brand and design language. They're a design house, yeah. For they sure. are yeah. you know they have a partnership with Adidas for clothing and Puma and you know a few other clothing manufacturers, but mm. they're designing and making their own products. Then at you know, the other end, they're sort of like, All right, you source that watch and you put, you know, the name yeah. of your car company on there yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. pretty obvious, but I guess it just kind of depends from a Porsche standpoint, because they have their own design house. I I'm waving the flag again. Hey, everybody follow me this way, <laughs> but it just kind of depends on, on the product and kind of the message you want to send. Ferrari makes everything that you can think of branded mm, with mm. Ferrari from baby yes, shoes do. to shot yes, glasses to bed sheets. Well, they don't necessarily make it. Everything. They just, they have licensing but to all kinds of companies that. that have their stuff on it, which yeah, yeah, yeah. is Paul, in my opinion, the pinnacle of, I guess, double standard. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah. We've talked about this because before. Because it's yeah, yeah. such an aspirational, yeah. you can't have these mm-hmm, brand, mm-hmm. but we'll sell you everything else with yeah. the prancing horse. That's insane. Jeffrey, Yu has a kind of a nightmare story to tell. And I wanted to answer his question a little bit. He had, had, past tense, a 2013, that's first year, Scion FRS. So same year I had. Oh, yeah, right. Now, this was first year. Now, the general rule, and I, and I adhere to this rule. I mean, I, I don't like to break it. The Phaeton is breaking it. Okay? The FRS is breaking it. <laughs> but generally, you don't want to get the first year of a car oh, because funny. they're the ones that are going to have the gremlins. I've broken this a lot, by the way. The the 1990 Nissan 300ZX, I have not taken my own medicine well here. What okay? about the Lancer Rally Art? Was that the first year for that the Rally That was kind Art? of the only year. Not for the Rally Art. It was kind of the only year for the Sportback, but it's a whole separate problem. Okay. Oh, wait. Sorry. Total tangent. <laughs> Total. Sorry. Brain tangent. The Rally Art lives again. Oh, it does? It does. The guy that I sold it to is an Evo specialist okay, yeah. up in the Chicago area. Yeah, okay? he dug into that immediately. And he tore it down immediately because he turned it into his new shop vehicle. You are kidding Drops me. Drops the seats, puts stuff in it, uses it as his shop vehicle. But, of course, because he works on these cars for a living, he had it up on a lift and knew more about the car in the first hour than I did my entire ownership. Sure, sure. He discovered – I don't think I told you this yet, but he discovered – the problem with – sorry, I'm way off on, on the weeds. But the problem with the Rally Art and the, the MR Evo was that transmissions lack reliability. Okay. And some people had major service or a lot of times they said, do you need to get a new transmission? My Rally Art – I was multiple owners in. My Rally Art, he said, did you know this doesn't have its stock transmission? And I said, really? What? It was a 2010 
with 73 or so thousand miles on it, maybe 76,000 miles, I guess, when I sold it, it had a 2008 Evo MR transmission on it. What? So at some point in the prior life, only 70,000 miles, think about that. Oh, my gosh. It had had a full transmission replaced. He said, I pulled the VIN off the transmission. It's off a wrecked MR 2008. You are kidding me. But, of course, he put a brand-new block in it and put slightly upgraded turbo, so now it's not only running perfectly but making power somewhere between the standard rally arts and the actual Evo. It's his shop truck. Oh, Lives again, gosh. and he's thrilled. So I'm glad that worked out for him. Fantastic. But wow. Jeffrey's got a problem because he bought a first-year FRS, and I had a first-year too, but those were the ones that stuff had to get tweaked. I mean, they were the ones with the biggest crickets-sounding problem, and lots of people did recalls on stuff. He had a terrible reliability experience. He had a recall for throwout bearings, a valve timing gear went out, all kinds of reliability problems before it even hit 80,000 miles. So he now describes himself as having post-traumatic stress disorder <laughs> with buying another car. And he just said, how, how do I get around this? Because he's terrified, thinking that the Toyota product, FRS, would mark reliability in sports cars. Mm-hmm. So if everything in his mind is worse than that, how do I do this? Jeffrey, a couple of things. First off, I don't think that car is indicative of even all FRSs. I had no issues. Sure. I mean, I had, I had a weird fueling issue that was just like, what You had the crickets, though, didn't you? And I had the crickets, but who cares? Yeah. Crickets, whatever. So I didn't have to do some of the recalls that happened. My car ran when I had it for years, and it was fine. Doesn't mean it hasn't needed it since. It was a first-year car. Your car had problems. I don't even think that's indicative of all of those cars. Mm. But you just this is going to sound weird. Just like dating, you came out of a bad relationship, you got to get back out there. And it doesn't mean that the next car you buy has to be a forever car, just like the dating thing. Right. Okay, right. so you've got right. to try other things. You also have to know that as a car enthusiast, it is that, it is that pay-to-play thing. I mean, this was my struggle with the rally arts. That's why we, I brought it up as well. I hate how that went down for me. But yeah. okay, all right. But I, at least you had the experience. I had the experience. In a weird way. It cost me money to get rid of the car. Oh, I, I lost money on the equation. But isn't that kind of life? And yeah. now on, on the other end of the spectrum, let, let me go here, Jeffrey. I don't have the stress of that car in my life anymore. It's true. So it's true. you don't have the stress of that FRS anymore. So I, I, I say get back out there and try something else. And But don't give yourself the responsibility that the next thing you buy has to be A, perfectly reliable, or B, a car you'll keep forever. Is that like telling somebody there's more cars in the sea or something? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I'm doing. So, so like you and there is, metaphors. And as we talk about, look, the other thing about fun cars is typically fun cars, not always, typically fun cars require more care and feeding than the bland commute cars. Mm-hmm. So I, as an enthusiast, I say you need to get something else, but give yourself freedom for it in all of these areas. So it's okay, man. I'm sorry that this happened to you, but you're going to have to step back out. Whenever Paul and I are searching for cars, we always start with Auto Tempest. To find the best car for any budget, it's important to cast as wide a net as possible. Check all the places they might be hiding. And you used to have to search all the different car sites separately, but with Auto Tempest, you can now get them all in one place. Auto Tempest lets you enter your car search info one time, and then you can see results from all the top used car sites at once, plus a bunch of smaller ones you probably wouldn't have thought to check. Auto Tempest can help you find your next car wherever it's hiding. Plus, with all these listings in one place with one search, it's a great comparison tool to shop around and find the best deal. So if you're doing your drive homework or you're chasing your dream car or just looking to feed the disease because you want to look at cars again today, head over to autotempest.com. All the cars, one search.
Scott Berger asks, what is the ideal climate for a convertible? Between 6 p.m. and 8.30 p.m., May through October, in the Northern Hemisphere. <laughs> Some, something roughly okay. like that. All right, I see it. Yeah. He says, Florida f- is full of convertibles, but it seems like no one puts the top down. Is it too hot? Yeah, it's too hot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He thinks it might be the places where the temperatures make the biggest swings, so you really enjoy it. Yeah, th- I'm serious. The sun is low on the horizon. Mm-hmm. It's not quite down yet. The top goes down, but then it's, you know... Before the evening gets a little too chilly when yeah. you're moving. Yeah. So it really is sort of like 530 to 830 That's funny. on summer nights in the Northern Hemisphere. It's funny you say that because I am not actually a convertible fan. And I, and even though I yeah, had the ZX had T-tops that came off and the Lotus has a You've Targa a lot that comes of like off. Targas and T-tops so sort In of spite of that, the fact that I, I got the Lotus and thought, I need a hard top. I don't know how much I'm going to use the cloth top. But then I discovered exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> because I grew up in Texas where you just don't take the top down. All you want is air conditioning all sure, the time. Sure. But honestly, the Lotus with the top off between, like you're saying, 530 to sunset <laughs> is you. brilliant. Maybe even like a half hour after sunset. It's awesome. It's glorious. But like middle of the day, it's like I really ought to put the top on. You're I'm baking. Yeah. And, and, that, and we're not nearly as hot as a place like Texas or Florida. Yeah. Oh, yeah. L.A. is full of convertibles too with the same thing. And you're going – you're in L.A. There's palm trees right there. You're driving down the coast. Why isn't the top down? Yeah, fair point. It's too fair hot. Point. And yeah. everybody's, you know, on their phone and in air conditioning. Not paying attention. Uh, Wheelman GT says, track daily crush cars we've all driven recently and do like Toyota Supra, Miata RF, and Focus RS, which is a bit of a left turn here in that group. I thought it was going to be more matching to the other, other two. But Supra, RF, and Focus RS, track daily crush. Ooh. Um. Hmm. I actually, I, as I pondered, I think this is my answer. I think, not because I don't like it, because I think it'd be a fen- phenomenal winter car, I think the Focus RS gets crushed in this group. Because okay. I'd rather have okay. rear-wheel drive on track, and if I'm, if I'm not having to worry about weather, which I'm just assuming in this scenario I'm not, I, I would rather have a better ride, daily ride, than the, uh, than the Focus RS provides. So now I'm dailying the RF, that's just that's just an easy car to drive and love and enjoy and it, and it's it's easy to commute it's easy to just drive and, and random mundane things feel fun in the RF mm, 30 miles an sure. hour is fun in the RF so sure. commute the RF and track the big 3 liter Supra okay all right cuz also cuz yeah. the other thing about it is that the big 3 liter Supra with the automatic you're not going to care as much on track very true very true you just yeah. want fast shifts whenever you need them exactly which it does have all right instagram hayden norris 62 says what is your favorite automotive brand logo for Hayden, it's Mitsubishi. That also qualifies what my favorite logo is, I think. Okay. Right. And it's the simplicity of design, and that is Mercedes. Sure, sure. And I like it because each branch of the Mercedes logo represented a different division of the company or they're mm-hmm. relating to their mm-hmm. history. So land, air, and sea. So you know, different engines and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. relates to everything the company did. Mm. But I think it's the automotive equivalent of a palindrome. You know, characters or numbers or letters that oh, can sure. be spelled forwards and backwards the same way. Radar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So Mitsubishi does the same thing. That Mitsubishi mm-hmm. logo can be turned and twisted any which Good way. Point. It's, yeah, it's yeah. also in that category. Interesting point. Yeah, yeah. Very clean, very simple. I just wish Mitsubishi made performance cars for the U.S. market. That, that <clears> went behind that logo. I like that. That's yeah. good. It's good. The dad wrench is asking about, is there such a thing as too much tire and how much tire is too much? Yes, there is such a thing as too much tire. You get, you get too wide and too aggressive and you lose all steering feel. Mm -hmm. The car gets harder to turn 
And now it also can sometimes feel sluggish because you've now got so much tire that it's having to rotate that you feel like you've lost power. Where is that? Depends entirely on car versus car. Also depends on how big are your wheels. I mean, you're back into R&D here. But he's asking specifically about an Indy Miata with 245s. That's starting to get really wide for that car. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I, I know that uh, Nate, who does our cycle report, has got, I think, 245s on his uh, FRS now for autocross, where he kills. Which you need, and the you car, could justify that. The car came with 215s. I think I ran 225s. He's running 245s, if memory serves. And they're super sticky track tires. So I, I think that is way too much for a Miata. I, I I think I feel like look this is not a hard and fast rule. I feel like you can jump at the most at the most twenty from factory spec. So okay. like the the FRS was two fifteen maybe go two thirty five but I think that ten is about where where the magic is personally. Jordan Schieffer on Twitter asks at what point is it acceptable to prop your hood open at a car meet? <laughs> 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 I'm remembering the guy with the first Z06 I ever saw. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Is there a point between stock and, quote, I've upgraded everything, look at my custom-painted intake manifold, mm-hmm. end quote? <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly not sure because you, if you prop your hood open, mm-hmm. you leave it open, yeah. you're clearly calling attention to something. Yes. You want people to yes. desperately want people to notice totally. your thing, totally. the yep. new thing that you spent hours on or you poured money into or, yeah, hey, yeah. I'm looking at an engine. Oh, but it's, you know, 900 mm-hmm. horsepower. What? Okay, great. Yeah. So clearly there's a lot of people that want that, mm-hmm. you know, that how the engine looks and all that stuff. And on a custom hot rod and show vehicle, it's yeah. okay. I get it. But for the most part... Unless somebody asks and you're standing there and they're engaging you in conversation, they say, all right, well, so what if I take a quick peek under there? I just kind of want to see what you what you did, you know, mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. upgrades you did. And I'd just love to see how that all looks in there. And then, okay. So I say if somebody asks, fine. Mm-hmm. The rest of the time, I don't think so. I'm, I'm not all there. I, I, th- I think the dividing line here is I think it has to speak for itself. I think your hood needs it to stay closed unless does. by having it open, a person could walk by and understand why the hood's up. Not understand because you're standing there by the hood up going, can I tell you about my engine? And, and no signage either. You can't have no, no, photos no. of the build and signage there. So you, so you walk you by the uh, RX-7 and it's got an LS in it and the hood's up. I understand. Fair. I understand. Fair. I'll you that. walk by a Miata and it's got a V8 in it. I get it. Okay. I get it. Okay. Because now you're saying what's what's unique about my car, you can't tell just by looking with it sitting here with the hood closed. But it's got to be I something cool like but that. It's it can't be, just be like, well, it, I polished everything. it has like, to be no. obvious. It has to be obvious that you as a person – that's my opinion. You have to be able to walk by and be like, aha. Now, the first guy I ever saw that had a C7Z06 here in Park City pulled into a Cars and Coffee, got out. I'd never seen a Z06 off the sh- off the show stand at this point. Okay, I've told you this story before. Okay, you're talking C7, right? Yes, exactly. He pops the hood. He has a big elaborate mural on the underside of the hood. Oh no! And a chrome polished supercharger on top. No. So this is why you pop the hood. So I sidled no. over and I said, "Tell me about your Z06. That's for, you're the first person I've seen with one." And did he just chew your ear off? Well, he did the thing that drives you and I nuts. He bought the car, 
and never saw it before it was delivered, the first thing out of his mouth was that it made like 850 horsepower. <laughs> and then as we talked more, I realized he bought the car. He had it shipped to the hot rod shop that did the chrome supercharger to make 850 horsepower and the huge Z06 mural underneath hood. And he didn't drive it until it arrived after that. So he had never experienced the original configuration. No, no idea. No idea. So awesome. he was very excited about, I have a chrome supercharger and a mural of my Z06, and you must look at it. I, look, you want to get that kind of power, that's fine. I don't think it's usable. But I think this is just, that is designed for cars and coffee. It's not designed to drive. No. No. But Yikes. Anyway. The money you spend on polishing the, yeah. no. Well, it's like, it's like the pleated, you made this joke recently. It's like the pleated leather inside your engine bay of your Singer 911. People that have Singer 911s where they have the pleated leather on the interior. I made the comment at well, one point I recently. I kind of see that. I know you do. I, I but kinda... I made the comment recently where I said, the thing I don't understand is I don't need that ever because I don't want to clean it. And Paul's response, quite ingenious, was if you can afford a Singer 911 with pleated leather, you have a guy that does the cleaning. You do. You're not in there yourself, which is a fair point. <laughs> you do. All right. I got a question over on Twitter as well from Ronald Harrison asking, what is our biggest what if in the automotive industry? Mm. For example. What if the Fiero would have stuck around? Mm. Well, what if the Solstice had stuck around? Yes. What yes. if the Chevy Code 130R sports coupe, that concept from a few years back? Cool. Would have been cool. Yeah. What if that were green lighted from yep. GM? Yep. Well, I've got a few what ifs of my own. What if Renault were still sold in the U.S.? Okay. All right. What if Porsche built a 550 Spider, the cheaper, smaller, even lighter, less expensive? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Welcome to Porsche fun car to drive what if mercedes offered a three-quarter sized amg gt with a manual yeah that'd be cool it'd be not really the sl cool. not the slk none yeah, yeah. of those yeah yeah amg gt scale down three-quarter size mm -hmm. like the size of a, the third generation mazda rx7 sure that style sure. manual transmission Ooh. less less mercedes-ness but just you know that mbx system it'd be simpler it'd be simpler, simpler across less the board expensive yeah. enthusiast Hello. Oh, I'm intrigued. I have to admit, that's very cool. And right. the last one, of course, we've been asking this now for a few years. What if the Mazda Speed Division still existed yes. up against Hyundai N and Toyota GR and mm -hmm. Subaru something? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the STIs of the Subaru world. I get yeah. you. I get you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Those very are my, cool. uh, my what ifs right now. I like it. Uh, Roger Nick's asking a question. I feel like other people have asked as well. Roger Nick 7 says, uh, would we elaborate on why we prefer rear wheel drive? This is a good one. I'm suspecting, based on your question, Roger, that you haven't owned rear-wheel drive. You said if, if the practicality of having a hatchback, which let's be honest, hatchbacks are at this point all front-wheel drive hatches or all-wheel drive hatches. We we missed getting the BMW 1 that came out, the 1 Series that came out that was a really cool shoe hatch thing yes. that came out in the mid-2000s that was rear-wheel drive. We missed that. So it's all front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive hatches. So if you don't need the practicality of a hatch, would it be more interesting or would we say go with an older rear wheel drive versus a front wheel drive used turbo? Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to be careful here because there are tons of front wheel drive cars. We have loved driving Fiesta ST Hyundai Veloster N. Those are just the first two that spring to mind, but there's plenty of others. The focus ST is good. The GTI can be very fun. There, there's a lot yeah. in that world yeah. of front wheel drive turbo hatchbacks that are fun to drive. Roger, if you've never driven a rear wheel drive, that is a key element here, and I would like you to have that experience. What happens is all the wheels have separate jobs, mm, yeah. and and I am so aware when I drive a well-sorted front-wheel drive car that I am the back of the car. 
Everything right, right. going on is going on in front of me. Right. And what's really cool is when you're in a rear-wheel drive car and you can feel the rotation point beside you, when you get that rotation point right about where your hip is in the car, that typically doesn't happen in a front-wheel drive hatch because the weight and all of the activity is up front. Mm-hmm. So right. feeling right. that rotation near the center of the car and how much that lightens up the steering to do the one job, which is, I don't know, the steering. <laughs> These are classic things that are really, they're unique. And until you get into a pure rear-wheel drive car that's well set up, you haven't had any, any of that experience and it's hard to feel. And it feels very different. Yeah. If you've never driven it, it feels very different. So that's the reason I encourage rear-wheel drive. The other thing about it is if you get a really well-set up one, I'm just going to go to the obvious choice, Mazda Miata. Go first in, don't care. Something that is really well-set up that's not overly powerful. What's amazing is how much it clarifies inputs. Sure. When you drive a really well-set up rear-wheel drive car on a back road or on a track, you can understand better than you probably have in any other kind of car. When I do this, the car responds like that. But it's not scary and dangerous, and it's not going to overpower you. And generally, it's not gonna be yeah, if you're a in surprise, one prize, yes, like a big high, high horsepower car. Totally, totally. Yeah. But but that really well set up front wheel, pardon me, rear wheel drive car does has a clarity of movement that front wheel drive can't do because everything's going on in the front half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's excellent. Mote Jeremy, Mote Jeremy on Instagram asks if we've ever seen panel gaps used as a design element. Yes, we have. Did it work? Yes, indeed. And if we haven't, do we think it could be done? It's been done on a few cars. The latest two modern examples are the Porsche 918 Spider. So look at the okay. intake just ahead of the rear wheels. That's a oh, panel overlaying the side okay. uh, slab right. panel. Right. Sure. And the Toyota Supra. Look at the rear of the Supra. Those gaps are actually closed off. By plastic, looks mm-hmm. like a grill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you just can't. You know, they're stick not your vent. They it. look like they should be. Yeah, but it's sort of a floating panel gap, and that's overlaid, and it gives it a unique style, I think. Mm. And then there's also the BMW Gina concept. So just just uh, Google Gina G I N A, and this was something that still strikes me. Nobody else has accomplished this or attacked it, and it is fabric laid over an armature. A wire armature. It's crazy, but very cool. So the headlights actually, when you activate them, they open like eyes. Mm-hmm. And then you want to open mm-hmm. the engine and it just sort of splits open. The hood splits open. So crazy. The doors are one panel, but it's actually fabric, again, over a you know wire armature. Yeah. And so the fabric shifts and moves and changes everything about the body style of the car when the doors open. So beautiful. It it remains a concept because how can you make a fabric that can be, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. durable and, you know, weatherproof no, and all that kind no of stuff. No one's crash testing or weather pr- testing that, but it's one of the craziest, coolest concepts I've ever seen. Honestly, Man, it's, it's very, just because it, it so almost beautiful. seems alive. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Jeffrey Johnson is asking a loaded question. I can't entirely answer yet, but we this came up recently. We just had the two liter Supra. By the way, later this week, in fact, now that I'm saying it, this is Tuesday, tomorrow you will start seeing lots of super versus super content come out because lots of journalists, ourselves included, have had the three liter and the two liter super to compare. And that embargo lifts on Wednesday. So tomorrow, start looking for those videos. We have one coming as well. We also had an 86. Mm-hmm. And we put the yep. 86 in current form up against the two liter super to have that discussion. I was very excited to do it. I'm even more excited now that we have done it. Jeffrey's asking the elephant in the room question. There are rumors, and I want to stress the word rumors, about the next generation, 86. They're talking about it being called the GR86 or the Subaru BRZ. The rumor is it will get a turbo four-cylinder. He's asking, how will this encroach on the GR Supra with the two-liter? 
the first short answer is probably going to be separated by price. Mm-hmm. That'll be the big thing that will keep them separate. But then I will say the separate note is at this point, everything we hear on these cars is speculation. Yep. Yep. And I hate to comment about what it's going to be until we actually know and can see it. But I really genuinely hope I do. In spite of all of the this car needs more power discussion, I really hope it stays naturally aspirated. I really do. Mm. I don't know that it will. Because I think the straightforward, quote-unquote, answer for everybody saying this needs more power is for Toyota and Subaru to go, okay, turbo. But there is something magical about naturally aspirated that I need to lose. And I like the differentiation, too, at this point. All right. So Christopher Lewick asks, what is our favorite car theme T-shirt? Anything from a track, a track that we've driven, Mm -hmm. anything that promotes the track and knowing that, hey, I've done that. It's sort of like a badge of honor. You and I keep buying Nurburgring shirts. I don't the, need the me, ring but I keep shirts are them, yeah. up there for me. <laughs> Spa, yes, but the ring shirts are just sort of like yeah. They are fun. They are fun. Yeah, guys, thank you so much for your questions. As always, really appreciate your topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, all your car debates, and dropping us a line whenever. Really appreciate your emails. EverydayDriverTV at gmail dot com. And yes, on Wednesday, May thirteenth, twenty twenty, we are dropping the super comparison. So that is coming at you. Thanks again, guys. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>